Amen. It's powerful. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're we're continuing this conversation that we started a few weeks ago. This series for the season of Lent called "From Graves to Gardens." It's about uh, this this journey that we're on together. It's about how God moves us from places of death to places of life. How God does what only God can do, but but God calls us to to do some things too, uh, to respond to that. We, we've been talking about this, it's this journey not only of salvation, but it's this journey of transformation that, that happens when we, we turn. We turn from going our own way and we turn to go God's way and we see that God's way is so much better than our way. That's what we just, we just heard in the song, right? Uh, this journey of salvation and this journey of tra- transformation it's available to us through Jesus as we reflect on who Jesus is and as we turn our lives over to him. Last week, we looked at uh, this journey from rejection to redemption. And this week, we're gonna look at the journey from revenge to restoration. And I'm gonna be honest with you this morning. This one's, this one's kind of a tough one for me. Now, now, these Psalms that we've been looking at, I'm gonna talk about that a little bit too, but these are hard because they're, they're kind of the real life stuff. You know, sometimes I like to just think about the good and the happy stuff. It's, we're kind of digging deep into some things that maybe we don't like to, to think about or, or talk about sometimes. And, and this is kind of one of these for me to talk about it, uh, this journey from, from revenge to restoration. It's a little tough because uh, if I'm real honest with you, uh, I can be a little bit, of a grudger sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know what a grudger is? Somebody who, who holds a grudge, right? Uh, so my wife will tell you that I'm the type of person that, that has a very long fuse, <laughs> but also a very long memory. <laughs> In other words, it takes a whole lot to, to offend me or upset me, but, but if you do either one of those, it's gonna take me a little while to get over it. That's why I say I, I can be a little bit of a grudger. Are, are there any of my fellow grudgers at church this morning? Any, anybody out there? Okay, thank you guys for that honesty. I appreciate that. I'm glad to know, glad to know I'm not alone. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to tell you this story. Something happened uh, to me uh, a couple weeks ago where I was on the other side of this. Um, after uh, a couple Sundays ago, it was the Sunday after uh, Ash Wednesday, and so we had the imposition of ashes in the service. And so after the service was over, uh, Michelle, our children's director, our family ministry director, she came in here and, and offered for the kids from FC Kids to come in here and get the imposition of ashes on their forehead. And so um, evidently, there was one particular child who will remain nameless, although I did get permission from his parents to tell this story. Okay, I'll tell you, it was, it was uh, Michelle's son, Matthew, Holtzclaw, uh, <laughs> uh, who, who is, uh, who's three years old, by the way, just to give you an idea. So, so Matthew allegedly waved at me from across the, the room as I was walking out of the sanctuary, and, and I did not see Matthew wave at me, and so I did not wave back, okay? Uh, and I, and, but Matthew didn't know I didn't see him, okay? So, so what happened next was this. Matthew, it was his turn to go get ashes, and uh, uh, his grandmother was with him, and, and she told Michelle, Matthew needs just a minute. And, she, and Michelle said, what's wrong? And she said, well, uh, he waved at Pastor Trey, and Pastor Trey didn't wave back at him. So, uh, so I get a text from Michelle <laughs> after church that day, uh, and it says this. You're on Matthew's list. 
you didn't wave to him today in church. And so I wrote back, I wrote back my text. I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't see him. I'll try to figure out some way to apologize. And, and she texted me back this. She said, I hate to say it, but this child is purely me. Just chalk it up as a loss. He will hold this grudge forever. <laughs> and, and she sent me some, you know, laughing face emojis, but, but I haven't seen Matthew since then. So I want you to pray for me just in case, you know, whenever I, whenever our paths cross again, okay? <laughs> so that, that's kind of a funny example, but, but what I really want to talk about today is, is what happens when, when somebody does something worse to you, maybe even intentionally. Uh, what, what if it's not that they didn't wave at you, but what if they, what if, what if they wronged you in a, in a big way? What about that person that, that you trusted who betrayed your trust? What, what about that person that, that you gave money to that said they'd pay you back and, and they didn't? What about that person you thought was your friend until they, they called you out in front of everybody on Facebook? What about that person who, who stabbed you in the back or, or who stepped on you on, the way, on their way to the top or, or who looked you right in the face and lied? What do you do in those situations? It's a little harder to think about, isn't it? You know, if I'm really honest, when, when something like that happens to me, uh, I might say I want restoration, but somewhere deep down inside in my flesh, what I really want is, is revenge, right? I want them to get what they deserve, and, and, and maybe I'd like to be the one to give it to them. Uh, do you ever have those imaginary conversations where you say those things that, that you didn't think to say in the moment or, or you really couldn't say or, or uh, those, those scenarios where, where you get to make that person feel the way that they made you feel? Maybe the tables have turned and, and maybe they need your help and, and you get to remind them of how they've wronged you. Anybody? Yeah, me neither. I don't do that. But some people do, right? I share all that with you today because that's actually what comes to mind or what came to mind for me when, when I read our scripture lesson today. We're gonna look at a Psalm. Uh, psalm 59 is another one of these Psalms of lament. We've been talking about that there's a, a collection of Psalms in the book of Psalms that are what are called Psalms of lament. And um, <clears throat> we're, we're going through these as part of the soundtrack devotional series. If you wanna get involved in it, let us know that, and you can get it sent to you each day. But um, this, this season of lament is leading us to this time of celebration, of rejoicing, of new life and resurrection at Easter, but we're living in this place of, of lament. And, and you know, I think that's probably pretty, uh, pretty relevant for us at living in what I am calling now the 15th month of 2020, where we're continuing to wrestle and struggle with, with things in our lives and in our world. And, and, and lament is probably a good place for us to be even though we don't want to stay there. The dictionary definition of lament is this, a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. But I love the description. I shared it with you last week. There's a pastor named Carolyn Moore, and she shared, uh, she describes lament like this. Lament is giving space for God to shape our pain around his truth. Think about that for just a minute. I think that's what this particular psalm that I'm about to read you 
is about. It's, it's, it's pretty raw because the author, David, in his pain, he, he unleashes this passionate prayer to God. So with, with that in mind, I want you to hear the emotion as I read this Psalm 59. It says this, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie in wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense of mine, Lord. I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. You, Lord God Almighty, you are the one, the God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. They return at evening like snarling like dogs and prowl about the city. See that they, what they spew from their mouths. The word from their lips are sharp as swords. They think, who can hear us? But, but you laugh at them, Lord. You scoff at those nations. You are my strength. I watch for you. You, God, are my fortress, my God, on who I can rely. You hear it? He's not done. Listen to this. God, God will go before me and and will let me gloat over those who slander me. But do not kill them, Lord, our shield or my people will forget. In your might, uproot them and bring them down for the sins of their mouths, for the words of their lips. Let them be caught in their pride for the curses they lie and lies they utter. Consume them in your wrath. Consume them till they are no more. Then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. They return at evening snarling like dogs and prowl about the city. They wander about for food and howl as if not satisfied. I read this passage of scripture this week and my response was just, whoa. Like, tell us how you really feel, David, right? Can, can, you, can you feel the raw emotion in this passage of scripture, it's almost as if David is saying, don't kill them, Lord, just, just make them suffer. Humiliate them like they humiliated me. Now, maybe, maybe I'm just naive, but, but I kind of look at this psalm like, like that angry email you write, but don't send to the person that makes you angry. You know the, you know the one I'm talking about? You ever do that? Yeah, me neither. See, that's the that's the uh, the vulnerability, the authenticity. I think that's why we connect with with this particular portion of God's word so much because it it reveals our our human condition. That's really the beauty in the ashes of these. Psalms of lament, the the psalmist is taking his honest emotions to God. That's what God wants us to do. If he's scared, his prayers are scared. If he's sad, his prayers are sad. If he's angry, his prayers are angry. And like that faithful friend that you can vent to, God wants us to bring it to him. Instead of taking it out on someone else, the psalmist takes it to God. And le- instead of letting his anger lead him to war, he lets his angry prayers lead him to worship. We talked about that earlier. God's grace meets us right where we are, but God never leaves us there. God wants to take us somewhere. And, and, and you can almost see that journey happening in this particular psalm. I want to read the last two verses of it for you and, and, and see if you can feel the movement in these words. 
Starting at verse 16, it says, but I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love. You are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress. My God, on whom I can rely. You feel the difference? You feel the movement from 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 death to life, from, from feeling threatened and, and, and saying a threatening prayer to move into this place of, of, of not focused on the situation, but focused on who God is in the midst of it. See, God is, is David's safe place. And in the safety of God's protection, he moves from, from spewing poison on his enemies to singing praises to God. That's the transformation that, that God brings about. It's something only God can do and God will do uh, when, we, when we trust him and entrust it to him. That's the, the transformational beauty of God's grace. We talk about it a lot. It, it meets us right where we are in the middle of whatever emotion or experience that I may be, may be going on in my life. And God loves me and accepts me in the midst of that. But God loves me too much to leave me there. And so God wants to move me from that place to a new place where I can experience new life as I answer the call of Christ to come and follow me. That, that's the starting point for, for moving, God moving us from revenge to restoration. I wanna share uh, one, of my, uh, one of the greatest examples of this in the Bible, for me at least, is a story that you may know, the story of, of Joseph and his brothers. Do you remember that story? If you've never heard it, I'll I'll give you a quick, make a long story short. Here's the gist of it. Uh, There was a a young man by the name of Joseph. He had 12 brothers who were so jealous of him that they they took him out into the desert and they they sold him into slavery and they told their parents that he was dead. And so Joseph spends the next 20 years of his life being mistreated, falsely accused, imprisoned, and forgotten. And yet, through some amazing turn of events, Joseph becomes the second in command of one of the most powerful empires of that time the, the, uh, in Egypt. And, and this just so happens to be right about the time that, that there's this severe famine in the land of Canaan where his brothers and, and his, parent, his father lives. And so, so his brothers come to Egypt and, and unbeknownst to them, they stand before Joseph and ask him to save their lives. By, by giving them food for, to take back to their families. Okay, so you see the situation? This is, this is a grudger's dream come true, right? This is that opportunity where the tables have turned. This is Joseph's golden opportunity to throw it right back in his brother's faces. And yet he doesn't. You could say he has a little fun with them to see if they've learned anything over the past 20 years, but, but what eventually happens is he reveals who he is and he offers them the opportunity for restoration. And as I was thinking about this story this week in light of this idea of moving from revenge to restoration, uh, I think the reason why he's able to do that is found in these little verses at the end of the story in the book of Genesis chapter 50. At this point, it's now 40 years later and the tables have completely turned. Uh, their father, Jacob, has died, and the brothers who, who sold Joseph into slavery come to Joseph, and they say these words that are the perfect open door for revenge to walk through. Listen to this. 
chapter 50, verse 18. His brothers came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. To see, instead of Joseph giving in to a grudge, he gives them grace. And he's able to do that, I think, because he had already given it over to God. Because Joseph had chosen to trust God and to entrust to God this terrible wrong that had been done to him. And so in the moment, he was able to respond in a way that was right. Now, now don't miss this and don't misunderstand me. Joseph did not uh, minimize the wrong that had been done. He didn't ignore the pain. He didn't pretend like it didn't happen. He just had reframed it in light of, of God's grace and God's presence and provision in his life. That, that God had taken that wrong and, and, and used it for good. And I think that made all the difference in Joseph's life. If you look at, at the story, actually, it wasn't just in this moment, but Joseph had been responding this way his entire life. See, see, that's the amazing thing about it. Joseph could have spent all those years in Egypt plotting and planning his revenge, but instead he spent that time allowing God to prepare and position his restoration. And so he was in a place where he had been healed and been made whole. And so now he could, he could extend that to his brothers. It, it makes me think of, of Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, let them turn the other cheek also. If, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks. Do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. See, see, it's more about us than it is them. It's not excusing someone else's behavior. It's not saying you have to continue to be in that situation or that relationship. It's about where God wants to take us to make us whole. I don't think Jesus is telling us to give in to, to those who might make our lives miserable. I think what he's saying is, is to give it all to the one who can make all things new. He's not telling us to to not do anything. He's just telling us that to not do the thing that in our flesh and in the moment might feel like the most satisfying thing to do. Does that make sense? And the reason why is because God wants us to have life, life abundant, life eternal. And, and sometimes those things get in the way. You know, I found a couple of, quote, a couple of quotes this week that, that I couldn't find who said them, so I didn't put them up on the screen, but but I'll share just the gist of them with you. I think there's some, some wisdom in each one of them. The first one is this, seek revenge and you should dig two graves, one for the person and one for yourself. Then the other one says this, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. See, that's the thing about revenge, right? It, it seems sweet, but, but it leaves a bitter aftertaste. And God is for us 
And God wants our good, so God wants to move us from that place uh, of revenge to a place of restoration because one leads to death and the other leads to life. And that's what God wants for us. And so Jesus doesn't just stop there. He says, don't just not do that thing that leads to death. Do the things that lead to life. Instead of digging a grave of a grudge, plant a garden of grace so that God can grow you into the person that God created you to be, a person planted to bear fruit for God's kingdom. This is about who God is making us to be as we turn towards him and as we allow him to work in us and through us and sometimes even in spite of us, right? For, for our good and for his glory. So, so he's saying, go beyond that. Don't just not punch the guy, pray for the guy. He might deserve it, but, but guess what? This whole grace thing is about not getting what you deserve. And so we receive it and we respond to it so that we can extend it to others. It's, it's counterintuitive. It's countercultural. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Unless we believe that there is a God that is with us and for us and who's making all things new and who will one day make all things right. It's why the Apostle Paul tells the church in Rome, he says, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. It's, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it said, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. That part kind of feels good, doesn't it? Just a little bit. Kind of throw that in there. <laughs> but then he sums it up with, with this statement. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, that's the path from revenge to restoration. That's the path that Jesus says, come and follow me. That's the path that Jesus took all the way to the cross. So here's the application for us today. We live in a world where, there, where we know and, and feel in our hearts that things are not the way that they should be. Amen? But the good news is God's grace reminds me that, that things are not as they're going to be forever. You know, God's word promises us that, that God is going to make all things new. God is going to set everything right once and for all. The, the old way of things will pass away. And the temporary death and decay and destruction of this world will give way to the life and, and love and liberation of God's kingdom. And it's from that heavenly perspective as, as citizens of God's kingdom, we're called to live differently in the world today, in the places that God has, has placed us. You know, the truth is we, we live in a culture that has become polarized and ca characterized by division and deceit and distrust and dominance and discord. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a tweet for a tweet, a post for a post. Whether it's personal or political or philosophical or even spiritual, there are so many times where 
where we have wronged and been wronged, where we have done harm and we have been harmed. And the point of today's message is simply this. We have a choice. We can choose revenge or we can choose restoration. We can give in to our grudges or we can give it over to God. And again, I'm not necessarily saying that that restores every relationship, that that makes all things right here, right now, that we need to pretend like nothing happened or we need to allow abusive behavior to continue. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the the restoration of of our soul, the restoration of our heart and mind to that place of of peace instead of getting stuck in a in a rut of revenge. That's that's what lament is about. My, my friend JD Walt said it best this week. He said lament is ultimately a protection from being infected with the situation that we are lamenting. Lament is not only protection from our enemy, it is salvation from becoming like our enemy. Isn't that good? It's about releasing it to God so that we don't have to carry around that grudge anymore. We don't have to carry it with us wherever we go for the rest of our lives. We can release it to God so God can release its hold on our lives so that we can move from revenge to restoration so that God can move that part of our lives from graves to gardens. Does that make sense? You with me? Well, this morning... I'm going to stop talking and we're going to move to a place where we get to participate in this. We don't just hear about it. I want us to to be reminded of our place in the story as we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. This was a, a holy meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. And if you'll remember, and we say it every time, it was on the night that he was betrayed on the night that he gave himself up for us. One of his disciples, one of his close friends was the one who would betray him, who would stab him in the back, who would step on him on the way to the top. And and one of the most amazing things, the thing that kept going through my mind this week as I thought about coming to the table in light of this message is that Jesus knew what Judas would do. And yet Judas was invited to the table too. Isn't that an amazing picture of God's grace? But today I want us to be reminded of that grace as we approach the table and be reminded that this is not a fellowship table. It's not a United Methodist table. This is Christ's table and Christ invites to his table all who love him, who seek to be in peace and relationship with with him and with one another. And we come to the table acknowledging all those places where, where we've fallen short of God's glory. And yet we approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that we will receive mercy as we hear the good news. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and Eat this. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to God. And he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so we come to do just that today. Will you pray with me? 
Gracious God, we come before you today and we acknowledge that there are places in our lives where we have fallen short, where we have done things that we wish we hadn't done and we haven't done things that we wish we had. We've not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Forgive us, we pray. Set us free today from those things that hold us back so that we might walk in obedience, in freedom that's ours in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice, that you would make them be for us the body of Christ so that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood, by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you.